Hi, I'm Susanna Kalchich and you're listening to Life in Practice podcast. I'm curious about the big questions in life and how we can experience more meaning and fulfillment every day. Join me as my guests share their challenges, successes and what it means to put our purpose, our values and our lives in practice. Hi, and welcome to Life in Practice podcast. This is your host, Susanna. And today my guest is Dion Edwards. She's a screenwriter and director. Hi, Dion. Hello. So Dion and I have known each other for many, many years. Actually, it's been 15 years, Dion. Can you believe it? Is it? 15 years in September. Wow. Yeah, getting on. Absolutely. So... Dion and I met at university at film school, so we both uh, connected over a passion with filmmaking and storytelling. And life. Yeah, I know, life and deep Probably, conversations yeah. and how the universe works. And We're talking about all this stuff whilst we were supposed to be doing work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I remember we had m- many nights uh, whenever we had an essay due the next day we'd only start the night before and yeah yeah that was we were great students (laughs) (laughs) clearly um so Dion tell us a bit about so where did your love for filmmaking and storytelling start um so I think it just kind of started off with me um being just like kind of stuck in front of the TV when I was younger, just like watching, just consuming loads and loads of film and TV. And um, I guess like the first influence was like Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson videos and um, just watching him and watching his magic and watching how he kind of um, brought out these kind of almost like event films that were music videos and really kind of stunned and wired everyone and I just get completely obsessed with them and watch them over and over again um, and there was storytelling in those videos um, and then just like kind of sitting with um, the family and kind of watching films and that's often how we would like spend time together was through watching films so started out that way. Mm. So when it came to like your turn, like what what was the inspiration behind some of the stories that you wanted to tell? Um, did they come from like your experiences mm. from growing up, or so what was uh, what were your inspirations behind that? Uh, well, initially you just kind of want to do whatever you see. It's taken me a long time before I've kind of figured out the type of stories I want to tell. I'd say that's kind of t- taken me right into adulthood, past university. Um, the initial stories were just, you know, like the kind of Steven Spielberg films. And, you know, we were both into Martin Scorsese when we were a bit too young to like him. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I guess sort of just um, kind of getting to a certain age and kind of having a lot of life experience and figuring out the things that were really important to me. Um, I guess, you know, that I could kind of point to my mid 20s when I really started to kind of see what I want to say but before that it was kind of like I was trying to tell kind of fantasy films kind of gangster films all stuff that wasn't really my own experience mm. and then just yeah as I said through kind of living life and kind of you know being you know having 
life, love, kind of relationships, um, experiences at work, things going on, things happening to me, then you kind of start to get a sense of what it is you want to say, mm. if that makes sense. So tell me a bit about what was it like growing up for you? Like what were some of, you, some of the um, challenges or experiences that um, shaped shaped you while you were growing up? Ooh, um, growing up, so I grew up in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, my life's kind of, it's, it's been an interesting one. So I grew up in foster care um, before sort of the age of seven. I was in quite a lot of different homes mm-hmm. and uh, my mum sort of had mental health problems and I didn't grow up with my dad. I had kind of hardly knew him. And so, yeah, I was put in a lot of different foster families. And then at the age of when I was kind of just turning seven, um, ended up with a family who I stayed with right up until 18 and who are still, you know, who I kind of see as my family. Um, But staying with them, um, I was kind of one of the permanent kids in the house, but they had lots of um, temporary kind of kids coming in and out, a lot of troubled kids. It was a big family, um, kind of sort of, um, they were a kind of interracial couple. So... Jamaican um, foster dad and white kind of English foster mum and so and both kind of like working class um, but yeah kind of growing up in that environment and I we kind of lived in a very like white working class area but then kind of had a pub on the kind of yeah the Afro-Caribbean side of town and so I kind of just had a lot of different things shaping me kind of culturally growing Mm up and also kind of a lot of different um, individuals kind of coming in and out of the house, like a lot of troubled individuals. So I think all of that I'm realizing now has kind of somehow find its way into my work and my ability to kind of, I don't know, kind of observe people and see the way they kind of communicate and the things that make them tick, if that all makes sense. Mm, yeah, it does. And um, what kind of van, what kind of van effect did it have on you uh, personally to grow up in a well what sounded like quite an unstable home situation like did it Mm. have an effect on like how you felt about yourself or how you felt about those that you were sharing uh, the home with Mm. uh it's funny because you don't really as a kid you kind of roll with things you don't really see it as um unstable like the obviously before the age of seven or whatever going into all those different houses kind of staying with different families I can't really remember the effect it had on me um but you know staying with um Jill and Roy who are my foster parents um that was quite a stable environment in many ways even though there were loads of kids coming in and out um so you were saying the effect it has what was the yeah, like, um, did it have an effect on your self-esteem or how mm. you saw y- yourself and your place in the world and what you were mm. capable of? Um, I guess you sort of figure that stuff out when you're a bit older. You kind of see it as you get older, you kind of realise the things that affected you. At the time, I wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't have known what was going on. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of going into the world and kind of graduating from university and going into different workplaces and kind of, you know, it kind of affects you a little bit then, but at the time, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, actually it's something I can, um, I can relate to because, um, well, like, as you know, you know, um, I came into the UK, um, because, well, Mm. because I grew up in 
well, it was called Yugoslavia at the time and there was a war. So we came over as um, refugees. And then when you tell people that sometimes, they're, oh, wow, that must have, like, how did you manage? But it's like when you're a child, you don't know exactly uh, it's just any different. Like that was my childhood. That was it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know any different. It didn't it didn't. I, I didn't feel certainly at the time that it had any particular yeah. effect on me. But as as what you're saying now, it's only later on that I realized, oh, actually, yeah, Um, I'm kind of struggling with a sense of like, well, where is home and like, mm. where do I, where do I b- belong? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all those questions are only coming up much later. Mm. But at the time, I think, I think actually children are, are a lot more resilient that we, than we give them credit for. Definitely. Yeah. You just accept things a lot more as well. Yeah. Because you, don't, you have, don't know any different. You don't have that thing of like, it should be this way or it shouldn't be this way. You just go, okay, this is happening and that's it. And it's just completely normal to you, um, mm. which I, you kind of have to remind yourself to do in adulthood, which yeah. I'm trying to still remind myself to do. Yeah. Okay. So um, you then moved from Bristol to go to university mm. um, here in the big smoke. Um <laughs> What what was that like, and why did you cho- Why did you decide to go to film school then here in London? I, well, to me, like being from Bristol, which is like a small town in the southwest of England. Um, it's not a small town actually. It's kind of a small city. Yeah, you, you haven't been here, have you? No, no. Um, I don't know. Just where I was from, like I kind of was from like a kind of suburb bit of South Bristol, and. Um, I don't know, I just kind of always wanted to get out of there. And I kind of saw London as like the big city and like, oh my God, it's where the dreams come true. And it's a place, which it kind of is in a way. It is. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to get out there and kind of meet new people and like just get as many opportunities as I can. And the idea of kind of going to film school, obviously, yeah, you kind of want to have that time to learn your craft. I wanted to kind of learn about more about filmmaking, kind of meet different filmmakers and just like have that experience that so many of the people like I idolized had and mm. obviously it's quite different to them because at film school we were just like you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's but funny like I feel like <clears throat> at university you you learn more about like life and experiences rather than what you're actually supposed to be there learning but obviously I mean it's with film school it is more of a practical kind of course it's not like mm, um not really academic yeah yeah but ours was a little bit academic yeah I don't even know if you'd call it a film school fully like it wasn't necessarily one of those vocational yeah they did call it the film school yeah yeah but I remember we had so many exams and so many like those papers to do Mm. but yeah I kind of I'm glad I had that experience Mm. because of obviously I met you and the people that I met but actually sometimes I say to people filmmakers like I almost wish I would have studied something else because I think as a director and a storyteller there's so much more value in kind of having you kind of need to have experiences and tastes and kind of things that you're into and you need to be aware of things and like just studying film straight away is something that I perhaps wouldn't have done yeah looking back yeah completely like I don't think it sounds like maybe a, a bad thing to say but I think I don't think you need to go to film school I mean you can learn how to use um uh you can learn how to use equipment either on your own mm. or like you go you go and work I think that's a much easier and hands-on way definitely to learn yeah, things exactly. but um yeah to actually be a storyteller and a creator and an and an 
artist like I don't think it's something that you can necessarily learn no like, I mean what, what do you think is can can you learn to be I can th- you learn to create art I don't think you can necessarily learn because I think art is born out of you and as kind of comes from who you are your soul or whatever as they say kind of it come really comes from the person but you, I do think craft is something like in, in something to say you can kind of learn craft um, I don't think you need to do that through film school. Like I certainly like no shade to like Westminster because obviously mm. that was you know yeah. it's a good it's a good place yeah. to go to. But actually, I think all the most majority of my learning came from actually making short films and kind of just doing and having no idea what I was doing. Um, but working with a bunch of people and just saying like let's do it. And actually, I learned everything I know I think from that rather than through sitting in a film class. Mm. obviously it's really also really good to like study films as well and watch things but yeah you don't need to pay all that money to go to film school Mm. yeah absolutely so um when did you know that you wanted to be a screenwriter and director like why both um well I kind of always wanted to be a director but um in terms of what I had access to was like more so kind of pen paper um and so that was the first thing I found myself doing was writing stories because obviously to get a camera which is so much more you know it's it's not not as easy and uh, that was back in our day when it was like yeah. what was it the mini dvs and before that it was high eight cameras I don't know if you know about those yeah yeah um so yeah I just didn't have the access I think it was when I was like 15 16 that I got a camera but I just always was able to write and I was always writing stories anyway before I knew I wanted to actually direct. So, um, but actually I kind of um, came to to directing through kind of being in drama class when I was about kind of 13, 14 and taking over the class and kind of being the one who kind of directed all the plays. And then my drama teacher, Miss Bones, um, she kind of knew, she kind of saw something there and sent me to these workshops and so I ended up going to these workshops. Um, it's called Keeping It Real at the Bristol Watershed. And um, yeah, this, there was this um, girl there and she was stood up to the class and kind of said, I want to be a director. And at the time I didn't know what that meant. And I kind of thought, I want to do that as well. But then yeah. slowly I realized that this is something that I'm really interested in because I'm always watching films and TV. And um, yeah, this is something I can do. And before that I wanted to actually act, which would have been the biggest mistake ever. Why? Because... I used to like do a lot of performance stuff and acting stuff, but I realized, I think as I kind of moved further into my teens, like I just, I'm a complete introvert and it just makes me really uncomfortable and sort of giving up that level of control is a bit much for me, but Mm. I do admire actors. I think they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really key point. Like having self, self awareness about what, what, what you can do and who you are as a person mm, exactly to be able to know like what you can bring forward yeah yeah did you did you want to be a director or was it was it like you I think it was the same as you because um yeah. w- whenever I was really young so with my f- um friend um Arlene we actually both wrote a full-length oh, yeah. feature film screenplay which was like r- right before my um 15th birthday I wanted to make sure it was done by my 15th birthday. And um, yeah, I think very much like you, because I think if you write something, you also want to be able to be the person to direct it as well, mm-hmm. to bring your own vision to life. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't think, oh, I'm going to hand this over 
to to someone mm, else mm. but at the same time to direct a piece that's not yours also doesn't feel like it's not the same yeah it's, it's not the same. same yeah you kind of have to find your way into it somehow find your connection it's a little bit more yeah an artificial search rather than if it's coming from you yeah but the funny thing is i think the way the way the way you are saying that you realized that um you were doing some um some uh performance work and you realize actually that's not really for you that you need to go behind the camera but i think for me it's kind of turned out the opposite way because i was Mm. using that okay i'm gonna use that way so i can hide behind the camera but i've realized i'm actually an extrovert so um i actually this is like why i'm doing the the podcast for example like um i think that was one of the things that held me back for a long time because i i realized okay if i want to do the things that i want to do i actually need to get in front of the camera and i Mm. think i was avoiding that for so long Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you just reach um you reach a certain age and you as right okay you know got to do it you you've got to do it like now face the fear feel the fear and do it anyway oh gosh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah and i want to actually talk about now um so you knew you you wanted to be a writer director and I know when we used to have conversations in the past, like you're so keen to kind of be, especially be a young um, writer, director. And there was all this like pressure, like, oh, you have to achieve it now. You have to do it now. Mm. And I think as we've both experienced, like the road to uh, success is not how we thought it was whenever we were both like 19 oh and gosh, dreaming. Sure. So can you talk to me a bit about like um, what's been like the road to like actually first of all like what would you say are your main uh successes up Mm. to date and then what was like the the road to those like yeah um well I mean I still very much see myself as like at the start of my career Um, yeah but it has been a long time yeah because um yeah I'm 33 now but um yeah kind of coming out of university yeah, exactly. As you said, I thought I was going to be Steven Spielberg. I always say like I was going to make, you know, a Steven Spielberg style kind of event film by the time I was 21. And obviously wasn't thinking about what that took. Um, but yeah, in terms of the successes, like it's just been like a slow build, at, you know, everything from like, um, I think one of the main things that kind of really pushed me was kind of getting on to this thing called the action internship via working title films, which is like still going, I think. But at the time, it was just so huge to get this internship at this like kind of international company that like, you know, is responsible for like, you know, kind of Richard Curtis films and all these like big British um, Billy Elliot's and all these like big British kind of films. So it was just to be in an intern there for a year but for me it was like my way of kind of um sliding my script through to them and kind of making it next year be kind of making a film and I didn't realize actually yeah that's not quite the way it works um but yeah it's kind kind of like had a bunch of like small successes kind of worked a little bit in the industry for production companies um kind of started assisting agents and then kind of realized at a certain point that I'm kind of working for these companies, I'm reading scripts for other people, I'm kind of feeling really jealous of the people that I'm trying to help get their films or their visions um, realized. And so I decided to quit. And um, I think I was about 24. 
um, and kind of just get a job where I had some flexibility and get like a kind of minimum wage job. So I ended up working in the cinema um, and just make short films and find a way to like, yeah, kind of learn as much as I could about what I was doing. And that kind of took a long time. That was a lot of years. But through that, made a bunch of short films, met a producer called Georgia Goggin, who's like my kind of business partner, as you say, um, and we're still working together now. Um, and we kind of just started making films together and like um, had a lot of fun whilst we were doing it and kind of it was like a bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, but through making all those different films, um, as I said before, you kind of don't, that was my film school in a way. And um, then kind of got, kind of worked our way up to kind of making We Love Moses which was the the short that kind of blew up and kind of opened up loads of doors for me. Yeah, so what were some of the, because you won quite a few different different awards mm. for We Love Moses, what were some of the major ones? Um, what were some of the major ones? The Iris Prize um, was a major one. Um, there was the Critics Circle Awards, which is kind of pretty because it's like the critics. Yeah. So it's a pretty big one. Um, we won the Encounter Short Film Prize, which is a good one. That's actually a Bristol festival called Encounters, but they're kind of a real, yeah, kind of they're kind of really well known um, festival for quality work. Um, Do you go to uh, HBO with with? Oh yeah, yeah. We, yeah the, we were nominated in the HBO short film competition, um, one of five kind of films and kind of got flown out to the American Black Film Festival and like ended up showing the films there so that was pretty amazing and then HBO ended up kind of um, buying the film as well and kind of um, having it on their channels in the States. Um, That's huge like HBO is like a massive platform. Yeah exactly and we ended up getting a distributor on it and like kind of got on like um, Canal and you know the French company Canal mm -hmm. yeah. and um, ended up on like I think Virgin Planes and like yeah it was just crazy for a short film it just it really. So what do you think about w why do you think We Love Moses had that winning touch what do you think what do you think about it spoke to people or can you just briefly tell us like you know in a nutshell what the story is and like why yeah. do you think it touched people it's funny because I still I thought I'd get better at this but I still don't like to reveal what happens yeah oh yeah I get it yeah you can't t tell the story without revealing what happens but sort of yeah. in short it's about a young girl called Ella and her first obsessive crush on her brother's best friend Moses and kind of everything that comes along with that. But it's all, all, also about that kind of, I guess, awakening you have when you're young and you kind of have that first person that you really like. Um, but it's also kind of a, kind of about kind of sexuality and um, kind of um, love between brother and sister. And like, yeah, it's just about so many different things. I think what made it so successful is that it, for me, it was like my most like personal film. Mm -hmm. And it was a film that, was kind of like a passion project for me. Like it was so important to me. And before that, like all the shorts we'd done were kind of almost like exercises in a way. Um, we kind of, they just didn't have that same level of like, this is something I'm absolutely itching to say. We kind of almost like wanted to learn the craft through just making these films. And like, they weren't necessarily films that I'm like, okay, this is gonna be the one that I wanna really present myself as a filmmaker to the world. So We Love Moses kind of was that and I don't know, I can't really say what's made it so successful, but I think that has something to do with it. But, mm. you know, it kind of goes to my my feature film now, Pretty Red Dress, which is already, you know. Well, I think it like touched upon um, important themes about, yeah. especially like, 
you know, young men as well. And Masculinity. How they, yeah. Yeah. Um, how they experience their own sexuality or mm. don't feel like they have that freedom to mm-hmm. in the way mm-hmm. maybe that 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 they would like exactly yeah yeah well no like the themes in it are yeah really strong and i think yeah definitely people relate to those mm. um and similarly with pretty red dress as well which is kind of touching a lot on kind of similar things of masculinity and secrets and kind of this thing of um wanting to express oneself and feeling like you can't because of I guess the boxes that people place on you in our society and that's just something that I'm really interested in talking about which is like um kind of social norms and how they kind of confine people Mm. is that why because you feel like do you feel you um personally like don't fit into a social norm or is that something that you've struggled with yourself um well you know I'm sort of a, a black queer woman so there are yeah. some things in there you know I tick some boxes there yeah um and there's a lot of experiences I have coming from my background as well and coming from like a working class background and kind of you know trying to sort of navigate the world yeah there's been a lot of um yeah there's been my own struggles through that and that kind of I guess comes out in the work that I'm talking about mm. So let's talk about then the road to success because, you know, I'm sure whenever people like watched you, like when you put um, We Love Moses out there and everything and they're like, oh, wow, look at Dion. Like she just got her big break. She's so uh, lucky. Mm. Um, So, of course, I'm sure. Do you think that luck plays a role in it? Like, did you feel at any point you had some luck or? Oh, there's definitely luck involved, but I do think a huge percentage of it isn't luck as well. Um, it's it's a lot of hard work. Mm. It's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of, um, yeah, just sort of daily, just really hard work every single day and kind of belief in a lot of years. Um, but then once you've kind of put all that into it, then it can kind of meet with luck and like luck does Mm. come because you know there's certain people that you meet um like for us like you know if certain people wouldn't have read it perhaps then it wouldn't have got into the right hands stuff like that um but in order to kind of yeah get the success I guess you kind of need to have all the I guess the grind going into it all the hard work and then that's when luck can kind of help as well but Mm. I I can't just run on luck personally some people can I don't know I mean, Some I think isn't, so lucky. isn't there that really um, uh, famous quote saying like luck is when preparation meets opportunity? I'm not sure who that's. Well, there you go. That's a much more to. articulate ver- way yeah. of describing that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So um, tell me then, like, what are some of the like routines that you had to put into place to make sure that um, the preparation was done so mm. it can be ready for the opportunity? So I yeah. know that's one thing from you that always came across to me was that you were so, well, you are so disciplined, dedicated, mm. consistent mm, mm. and, and uh, patient, really, as well. Yeah. Well, I always say that <laughs> well, I'm not always patient, but I'm not always that patient. I always say that I'm quite naturally, I feel quite lazy as a person. Mm. Like I kind of, if I could right now, you know, I'd just be led across the sofa, just sitting there like lying across it. But I'm here, <laughs> but I'm here. We do this interview um, on the sofa. Forcing you to, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm quite, I, 
I can be quite lazy, so I kind of, for me, it's just sort of necessity to like have, I guess, like I say habits. My habits have really helped me. Um, and I was spent a lot of years working in these jobs in sort of cinemas and um, doing kind of a lot of shift work. So you're kind of, you never really have a kind of balanced thing of you're in a certain time every day. It's like all over the place, but I'd have to kind of really make sure that every single day I had an hour or two to spend on what I'm doing. Mm. Um, and that was just, I sort of, because I did that so much and kind of made it into a habit, then I was just, yeah, I was kind of, it just became such a normal thing for me. Um, but people kind of, I don't know, it's a bit like, you know, when we're talking about when you're a kid and you kind of don't really realise, you don't kind of see something as like a big deal. It's the same with um, being, everyone thinks, oh my God, you work so hard and, you know, you're you're so consistent. But actually it's just to do with habit and sort of, yeah, necessity to get done what you're going to get done. Otherwise, I realise like from a young age, if you don't kind of, if you don't do, then you're not just not going to get stuff done. So. Yeah. But then um, I suppose like, some people they try they like they they like work for a certain time and they're like oh like it's not working maybe they don't see the the uh progress mm. so like i think um your why is really important like what so what's been your driving force to which helps you to do it when maybe you don't feel like doing it um do you even have times where you feel like oh you can't be bothered definitely of <laughs> course yeah I mean going back to what I'm saying about habit you just um when you're so used to doing something it's that sort of like getting up and brushing your teeth or um you know if you're a person who goes to the gym like after a while because you're just so used to it it's sort of like you have to do it I mean even like with bad habits like if you keep doing it all the time then all you're going to do like you mess messy room like me and you just have yeah. messy rooms like we can't help it and so we're just so used to it and we're kind of used to you know chucking things around um so it's just like it's like that really um for me it's just having things that I do every single day That's so how do you uh create new habits then um well, that's the hard part at the start of it. You just have to kind of force yourself into what you're doing. So if you want to write every day, for example, like usually I get up, um, I don't know, like we'll make a cup of tea and then or make some breakfast and then I will just sit at my desk and I will work for like three to four hours. You just have to do that every single day. And for the first few days or even the first few weeks, it's going to be hard. And you've got to do it even when you don't feel like it. Um, even when you're just feeling like, oh my God, I really just want to be anywhere but here. You just kind of have to force yourself there. And then just after a while, you just become really used to it. And so... So what's the uh, driving force then? So when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're not in the mood, mm. what helps you to... like? Well, sometimes you, you sit there and you're not in the mood. Yourself. Sometimes just allowing yourself to have bad days as well. Like mm. for me, it's uh, with writing, it's like allowing myself to like write badly at times. So I'll be sat there. I'm like, this is just total shit what I'm writing. Sorry, we're allowed to no, yeah, say swear shit. Uh, you good, can use any good, bad word good. you want. Okay, so it's going <laughs> to all come out. Um, yeah, it's like kind of sitting there and like allowing yourself to write shit basically and that's okay because sometimes you can write a few pages which you think are absolute crap and you think what a waste of a time but actually you've done the thing of sitting there the next day you come back to it and you'll edit it and actually there's some good stuff in there um 
it's just doing it. It's just doing it. And it's just, it's just repetition race, basically. And I do have some friends who are like, they have to do it through being inspired and kind of like, well, they won't write for like a few weeks and then they'll get really inspired and have like five days where they like crack out a whole feature film. But unfortunately, yeah, I'm just not that type of person. Like I need to be consistent. I'm just like a kind of person I just need to have like daily habits and routines because that's the way, the best way that I work. Mm. And I think, you know, I think it's good for people who are struggling who kind of I get I do get a lot of people saying like how do you do it and the people think it's some like magic thing or some special talent but it really isn't it's just if you do the same things like if you don't make your bed every single day and you're just saying you, because your body is so used to doing that you won't and you have to really make a conscious effort to do it every single day even when you're feeling like you really don't want to mm. yeah so, and, yeah and you um touched upon an um interesting point about how some people wait for inspiration mm. um yeah because i've heard um from qu- uh, from quite a few people that actually it's not a good idea to wait to be inspired or to wait to be in the mood mm. because you could be waiting a long time yeah exactly um and there you like i've heard it before is you almost have to create the inspiration rather than wait for this like force from like from the mm. outside to come and hit you Definitely. but i do think that um you do have to do some things to to help the creative process mm. be it whether i don't know you need to go outside i think what you touched upon um earlier about you need to go out in the world and have experiences mm. so tell me a bit about like wh- how you see inspiration and how do you experience it Mm. Hmm. like do you ever take time out like oh I'm gonna go and get inspired or is it just something that kind of comes to you or it's funny because I don't really do do you create it for yourself yeah I don't really go right I'm gonna go out and get (laughs) inspired um it's so funny because it's just such I I take a lot in um I think very very subconsciously like the way people kind of wrinkle their nose or like, you know, little little details of things that people do, um, the way they use their voice. I just, I've always sort of taken that stuff in. And then it's just not something I really realise is going, I think it's just sort of all going in somewhere. And then when I am writing, when I'm writing characters, I realise like how much of that stuff I'm taking in every single day. Um, but I try to like, I try to watch a lot of films. I try to kind of, live life I don't know I've gone through periods where I've been kind of stuck in my room and hold up and that sort of isn't very inspiring and actually you know isn't good I try to kind of live my life a bit um I definitely try and like take breaks and go for walks and stuff like that but I think in terms of like taking things in for me personally like I can't really be too conscious about it um and kind of think to myself oh I need to like get inspiration here because it never really I think it all kind of goes in very subconsciously and to me like there's so much writing is intuitive as well um and it's kind of amazing how much you can surprise yourself when everything is kind of pouring out of you um but yeah it's not very conscious if that makes sense Mm, yeah yeah that does make sense so when you um actually write so when you say that that kind of do you feel like you're kind of tuning in to something because I've heard of like the creative process can Mm. be um I think it's it was 
Eckhart Tolle, which I know you enjoy his work. Mm. Um, he talks about it like your your ideas aren't really like your own. It's just you connect to the uh, collective consciousness mm. and you basically um, become a vessel. Yeah, yeah, become a vessel for the creative process. There is definitely something in that, I think. Um, I think we've had conversations about it before. There's just... Yeah, it's kind of like um, there is something a little bit spiritual about it, I think, that when you kind of sit there and you, there's, you know, there's different ways of writing. For me, when it's best and when it's flowing the most is when I'm just sort of in this really relaxed state. And it's kind of, I think it was like Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, said that you're kind of like half hypnotized in a way. It's like you're kind of conscious, but then there's another part of you that's kind of completely asleep, but kind of. I don't know that thing of like lucid dreaming is it mm. um you're kind of aware but not and you kind of go into this kind of I don't know some people use that term flow state or whatever but yeah. you do really go into a flow and I think when it's all pouring out of you it, it, it almost feels like yeah you're not doing it so, I don't know it's so strange it's like there's something I don't know you're kind of maybe you're tapping into like the highest part of yourself as a human as well there's something mm. in it because it's just yeah it's just like a really beautiful thing but I think sometimes a lot of the time it's hard to get into that if you're trying, if you're trying. You have to kind of relax in a way, uh, relax into it. Um, yeah, it's almost yeah. like when you're trying to uh, fall asleep. You're exactly. Like, oh, I need to fall asleep right now. And it's like... It's the same thing, yeah, as falling asleep, like allowing yourself to get into that dream state. But like, how would you say you do it? Like, maybe in terms of like podcasting, do you think you have to get into those? Yeah, I think it's about... Um, yeah, it's like tuning into the present moment. Mm. That's all there really is. Mm. So it's oh, yeah. about being fully present. So mm. you like you try not to be inside your head. Mm. Like right now, even though I have so many things I need to think about, like, okay, are the, are the cameras working okay? Is mm. the sound, is, is everything timing how much time do we have left how can i construct the rest there is a lot going on but at the same time i need to be fully fully present mm, mm. with you so we can actually and this is what actually with the podcast is quite um is really really exciting to me is mm. because we're kind of creating art now in a way mm. if that makes sense definitely it's yeah. a very collaborative process and you know you're not sure which way the conversation is gonna go mm. exactly obviously you know I have like an idea but and that's kind of exciting you don't know what's gonna come up yeah definitely yeah exactly but the key is like being present and not being too much inside your head mm. being mm. tuning into your body exactly but then you're pulling you know even with you asking me these questions you're kind of going into your memory a little bit and mm. trying to kind of there's a part of you that's using your mind and kind of having to dive into something it is but, but it feels like yeah but it feels like it's coming from a from a presence if that exactly makes, yeah and I, th I would say that applies to writing as well and and directing as well which obviously we haven't spoken about as much but you have to mm. kind of get there I guess directing almost feels like closer to what you're doing here like here in a way where you kind of just have to kind of prepare as much as you can but then you get on set with the actors and you have to allow whatever comes to come and it has to be as natural as possible and you have to kind of allow it to be exactly as it is and maybe there's imperfections in it but yeah it's kind of being really present with it 
Yeah. So then, yeah, when you have your um, uh, script and then, yeah, you do have like, uh, well, you work with uh, Georgia as your uh, producer and mm. then you have the cast, you have the uh, s- the cinematographer and everything. Mm. How do you help them to see what you see? Like the vision that you have I don't film. and it's awful it's yeah. just you know it's just such hard work it's what a nightmare um is it hard to communicate what uh, is, your own vision to other people because so, obviously they have but then also do you want them to put their own spin on it as well yeah because I think um it's funny because it's such a simple thing directing everyone thinks it's some magical thing but actually all it is is just um kind of being the I guess you have to be the person who understands the story the most in a way you kind of have to be like the keeper of the story um and but then you just have to kind of communicate how you want it to be told and communicate your vision for it um and in a way that's not really hard but actually communication the simplicity of community it's so funny with communication because it can be just it's such a simple thing but actually it can be really really difficult and I say the most difficult thing about directing is, yeah, as you're saying, there's just so many different departments, different people to deal with. Um, there's so many different um, moving parts and you just kind of have to be able to, yeah, keep a cool and kind of kind of manage all that and manage all those people and manage all those voices and be able to kind of keep it really simple as well because if you start as a director especially to the actors trying to say you know the scene is about this like deep philosophy of this person who's going inwards and start getting all like t- like yeah philosophical with it they're just gonna yeah it's gonna be terrible so it's all about simplicity really um kind of being direct um and sometimes not direct sometimes with different actors you kind of have to hold back a bit and um not fool them but you kind of have to if if certain actors don't want to do certain things as you have to kind of find ways in to get them to kind of do it the way you might want to do it or you have to kind of accept that they're going to do it their way um yeah there's just so many different things with directing i don't know why i do it as a profession mm. i'm joking well so what like could you say do you do you uh, uh prefer writing or directing or do you kind of see it as a as a whole you it is really a whole it is it is a whole I mean naturally I'm quite an introverted person I'm actually I would call myself like a social introvert because I do like socializing and I do like being with people but I draw my energy when I'm alone I, I kind of get energy re-energized when I'm alone so kind of being in a room writing for me sometimes I've had like some yeah the most amazing like experiences just being by myself and creating a story but actually so much directing is a really extroverted profession so you have to like um yeah for me that's kind of tapping into something that isn't doesn't come as naturally to me but um I do see them as one thing because as you were saying earlier in a way I just really couldn't imagine anyone else directing my own stuff so I've had to kind of find my way into that a bit more but kind of in in terms of like the the management process of like managing people that's the bit that has been harder for me I think it's getting a lot easier now the more more I do it but in terms of like creating the vision and kind of you know um coming up with ideas for like the world and building on stuff and kind of creating all this thing like that's a side of it that I really enjoy Mm. yeah that makes sense yeah um and now I want to um 
jump to a little bit of so we talked about like how it's how important it is to create uh habits and have um discipline and being uh consistent to mm -hmm. achieve uh success mm. and um first of all like what is your idea of success because i know we, we've we've talked about this um quite a few times and do you think it was what you thought it was when you were younger mm. like how has your idea of what it means to be successful changed and also mm. how do you balance um being so focused and working really hard and then having a personal life as well has it had an impact yeah what's my idea of success yeah it's a different idea I mean I think I thought you know initially when I was younger it was like making that great film and you know winning loads of awards and you know kind of being a really young director and kind of you know quite um what's the word uh um surface level things in many ways I think because that's you know those are the things that you see as a young person and you think that's okay that's what um it, it's all about but actually kind of having had and I, you know it's not been huge success but um some successes with the short film and having the opportunities that I've had and kind of going through it I've realized um that actually yeah those aren't necessarily the things that mean something to me anymore for me I think obviously successes in within film is being able to kind of have the opportunities to continue making films because even getting one made is kind of a miracle in a way um so basically being being in a place where I can regularly make work that is success but actually it's not necessarily winning um yeah winning all the awards although that would be very nice if that happened with my feature um But what was the second part of the question? Um, yeah, it was just because obviously you're, you're very uh, focused, you work hard. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering, is it hard to balance that like with your personal life or like taking care of your health and all those yeah. kinds of issues? So yeah, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So kind of leaning into what I'm saying about, yeah, what I thought successful was. Yeah, I've, so you sort of realize that because I have gone through stages where my personal life has just gone kind of gone like I've just been just focused on what I'm doing and kind of haven't been socializing and just kind of completely like cut myself off and um yeah it's just not it's just not very healthy and that's something I would have definitely um changed um <laughs> it's well, that I definitely change in a way because yeah it's just so important to basically make sure that you're um you're interacting with people like the relationships and kind of having really good people around you but also taking care of yourself as well like kind of the self-care being able to like I don't know have that that time alone where you're just sort of maybe yeah you're, you're not doing anything at all you're just sitting there staring into space you're really good at that you say you know mm -hmm. the When, when when you used to kind of say to me you know you, just, you sit on the couch sometimes and just sit in silence and just yeah. like I, it's just yeah I don't have as much time for that now but yeah I yeah yeah yeah. but just having those I think you're really good with that kind of meditation thing of like being able to just sit and take mm. stuff in yeah and like I've had to kind of bring more of that into my life and like just looking after myself basically um when did you realize that um your life felt a bit out of balance It's sort of just throughout the last 10 years always felt out of balance in a way. It's been very like up and down, up and down. Um, this year in particular, like it's been 
a year of like yeah it's been like a roller coaster year for me I had like a friend who passed away and um I had just yeah quite a few people lost quite a few people this year um and then also like had some ama- incredible things happening some incredible successes but kind of had to get definitely um it was definitely a tough emotional year for me and it kind of made me yeah kind of reassess things, things a lot and kind of look at a lot of things going on in my life and yeah one of the main things that came out of it was just sort of realizing it the importance of just yeah having kind of connection and like balance and love in life like through just like relationships with and friendships with people um not that I didn't have um friendships and relationships but it's just sort of you know when you're young you kind of think that it's all about kind of achieving and kind of getting that something and you realize actually it's just more about your your day-to-day and your day-to-day with the people around you if that makes sense Mm. yeah Yeah. absolutely um and tell me a bit about so you talked about health and um self-care as well Mm. um and can you can you tell me a bit about that journey like what did you learn about um your self-care and what you needed to do and any new habits or changes that you made um well because we because you and i we've had conversations i think quite a lot yeah over the years about food and health and yeah yeah well yeah eating eating well you know is a big deal i mean i've kind of for me like just looking after yeah just kind of thinking about what you're eating and what you're putting on in your body is like been a big thing for me this year um almost to like a slightly obsessive level so like (laughs) I've had to kind of sort that out a bit but yeah kind of having thinking about so much about what you're eating what you're consuming and what's going into your body it's just so important and with the type of job that I have um you have to you know kind of flying around kind of moving around a lot having kind of sometimes irregular sleep patterns and stuff you just got to do what you can to um nurture yourself and your body and so yeah that's been something that I've been trying to do a lot this year and really getting into it do you have any like routines or anything anything particular that you follow or is it more like an intuitive thing uh yeah I mean well at the moment I I think you know my digestive system is a bit all over the place as a result of like this sort of crazy year um so I'm quite limited with with a lot of what I can eat but yeah there was there was like this routine I had in the summer of like kind of waking up going out like waking up really early going outside for a walk straight away and just sort of taking in everything in coming back home and um then just like making my tea sitting down at my desk and then just doing that work doing about four hours of work and then just taking a break and then usually the rest of the day went downhill in terms of doing anything because I just don't do very well with like doing any work in the afternoon or whatever um but yeah kind of also like fitness as well and like working out and stuff has been big for me this year Mm, yeah because I know each year we're like this year is going to be the year we're going to have the bikini body beach body yeah still don't have the beach body yeah you're you're in good shape now yeah yeah um so yeah and so what made you then decide this year like right you're gonna because you you had a you went to see a trainer and stuff right Mm. yeah no I just I think it came from because this year was such a big writing year as well um with the script because I'm obviously writing the feature so I've sat down a lot just at the desk and even though I've obviously been doing that a lot um 
for the last 10 years, it was really, you know, I really had to spend a lot of time at my desk. And so for me, it was just, I've actually realized like I am like quite an active person. I need to like move around. And I was doing that. I usually think we all are. I think humans are meant to be moving New humans around. are. But <laughs> I'll, t- yeah. I'll tell you, like a lot of people, it's quite annoying, actually. People that are probably in better shape than me just sit there and do nothing. So, um, so yeah, I kind of enjoyed like kind of having this routine where, I'd, yeah, in the afternoons, like go to the gym as well and like work out and like um, just move my body I have to kind of yeah I really have to work out Mm. yeah it feels good as well Mm. but yeah it does it does like I haven't been very consistent with the gym at all like I I find that kind of a struggle Mm. Uh, but then obviously with my job I'm on my feet all day I'm walking around constantly yeah yeah. Uh, it's a bit different but what is has been consistent in terms of um, fitness for me is like I go to dance classes Mm, samba mm. like i won't i'm not gonna miss that unless like you know i'm ill or like uh, exactly you know, would like, you say that's like become a habit oh yeah totally like totally. you feel like you can't even when you can't be bothered you just oh yeah find even, yourself going totally there are times where like I, I'm, i've been at home and i'm like like i feel like i'm i think you're on the phone to me the other day half like, asleep <laughs> yeah i think i was yawning and i was like half asleep and you're and I, th- and I think you were saying oh no like you're too tired you shouldn't go i'm like no I have to go yeah. and, then, and then when I'm there I'm like woo exactly. I'm, like having, I'm having the time of my life yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah but do you want but the to gym's to been the gym's been a struggle to maybe stay you consistent. don't maybe it's not your thing like maybe it's just something because you've got to like enjoy it as well like yeah. that's the thing some certain people maybe the gym isn't for them maybe it's like going and playing tennis or like going to a dance class or mm. uh, just doing some yoga like it doesn't always have to be the gym and I think some people think yeah, that that is true as well. But I think there are only certain things that you can do within a gym environment. Like there are things that I want to improve. Mm. So, but I think for me is like I I think I, I enjoy it if I work with a trainer. Mm. That's good because then um, they can actually sh- they they can actually show you the right technique because you could be doing something and you're actually not doing it right mm. and you're completely I'm still not doing wasting right. your time. And also you have the, you could potentially hurt yourself as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I will. I will, I will get there, but it's still, it's still very much a work in progress, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of happy enough with the shape mm-hmm. I'm in, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But now we're in our, uh, th- now we're in our thirties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got to, <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to, you've got to put in a bit more work. You really do. I think that's a sort of another thing as well. You realise like you start to kind of feel these like aches and stuff that you didn't have when you were younger and you just mm. you find yourself getting more tired. And that, that's another reason why I'm just like, I have to kind of, yeah, put some work. Because when I was younger, I didn't do anything. Mm, yeah, I remember like, yeah, when you were younger, you see yeah, and like the food that you ate as well. You still got drinking and like I don't know everything. How, and yeah, and was fine. Like yeah. for, well, up to a certain point. And yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, I guess, well, I think, um, you know, when you do certain things over uh, an extended period of time, you will feel that in your body because I know that. Oh, yeah. Because before, when, whenever you weren't eating as healthy, you were kind of having complaints and stuff as well, though, to be fair. No, yeah, I definitely wasn't fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I do think that has something to do with, you know, like my digestive system at the moment, like some, some of the issues I've had. I think, I don't think it starts with like having this year. I think it just, yeah, it's kind of a result as a result of like not eating very well when I was younger. Mm. But now you're doing much better. Yeah. 
like to think yeah good good stuff um so as we begin to like slowly wrap up um yeah um so what have been like the main um practices that have helped you overcome actually we didn't even talk about like what have been some of the main challenges yeah yeah did you have yeah what have been some of the main challenges some of the main challenges um I mean, it's hard to kind of think of like, uh, I think for me, I think it's been like a lot of kind of internal stuff. um, And, you know, obviously it's come from the environment that I live in and the world I live in. But actually, you know, for example, being, um, say, like a black woman and kind of being in certain workplaces and kind of having to kind of deal with perhaps not feeling like I fit in or not feeling like people understand um, my perspective um, kind of sometimes just feeling like I don't have the confidence to speak up in certain environments um, that is that's been something that's been a challenge and something that's brought a lot of anxiety and insecurity um, but then also has been a positive in a way because it's something that I tap into a lot in my work so in a way you know I'm kind of in some strange way like grateful for it even though yeah you know you prefer not to have it but it's kind of given me something to talk about and something to I don't know kind of want to kind of be something that improves for other people as well and so it finds its way in my work um so how have you dealt with having um anxiety and insecurity um I'm still dealing with it you know still feel anxious still feel insecure but not um, like you know if you if you look back at how we were when we were back at uni yeah yeah, yeah. As, um insecure uh fanny farts <laughs> um I think we we coined that term together to uh describe our um how would you call it our our, our, st- our st- yeah our states our, around then yeah, it's like ridiculous of, yeah um have I gotten over it it's I it's it's hard to say it's kind of just you know it's something that happens naturally I think as you get older um and I haven't gotten over it as I said there's still a lot of insecurity and oh no I think I think obviously each person will always have that but Mm. obviously I think you're doing really well Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the things that you like you've given talks you've been on panels you're uh directing people yeah I actually think that it's growing more comfortable with the, ins- the insecurity and the anxiety is kind of growing more comfortable with the fact that yeah you you're feeling this and I think before times in the past I'd, I'd expect myself like not to have those feelings and those emotions at all and I think that's where you kind of run into trouble if you're trying to get rid of it and you're just thinking oh my god why am I feeling like this everyone else is so confident or you know I shouldn't be feeling this way so for me it's just sort of been embracing that slightly um and and also that's you know a little bit with like this idea of like being perfect as well of what you do and you know even like an interview like this I'm you know some some somewhere in my head I'm like why am I saying this I like, just what am I saying here and you know and that ha- that's happened that happens now that's happened in this interview but it's sort of just allowing yourself to just be imperfect as well mm. um, and as uh Susan Jeffers says as well feel the fear and do it anyway yeah because she's yeah. not saying like don't feel the fear it's like I know isn't there a saying as well like um it's not courage if you're not afraid. It's not courage if you're not, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. 
you kind of it's just normal human things to feel yeah you just it's it's part of us and I think it's important to embrace it in a way um yeah embrace those those feelings that embrace that discomfort and kind of just feel it in as much as you can but then just kind of get on with it or as mm. Susan's what's Susan Jeffers say feel, feel feel it and do it feel the fear and do it anyway there you go yeah yeah no it's very very true yeah because I think we all do feel like oh I shouldn't be feeling this way I shouldn't yeah. be doing this or I shouldn't it's like well you know mm. <laughs> you should if you are feeling it obviously exactly yeah um but yeah so um what have been some of the key practices for you that have helped you to overcome challenges and to attain success Mm. well as I've I think I've said quite a bit is just kind of creating habit so that when you're in a place where you're really not in the mood for what you're doing it's kind of being able to um just just because the habit's there you just kind of get on with it um key practices I think it's a bit of a like an eye roll in a way but patience is just you have to have so much patience and um you have to be comfortable with not seeing any results for a long time um you're it's like you're kind of investing it's something daily that you really can't see um and yeah um some of the key practices what was it the what was the rest of the question yeah just like what, what are the key practice that have helped you to overcome challenges and and attain success yeah so i what have i said so patience um habits consistency um love of what i'm doing as well Mm. because that's like a big thing you have to really um you have to really love what you're doing because for me like yeah it's been like a a 12 year journey to just be at the point where i'm making my first feature film and if you're not in love with what you're doing, if you're just kind of doing it because you think it's cool or you think it's this and that, it's just going to, you know, destroy you in a way. Because there's been so many times where you you do feel like giving up and you have to just really, there has to be, you have to kind of find that joy. And, you know, as you get more success as well, like remind yourself of the joy and of, of why you're originally doing it in the first place. Um, so I just think I just really love what I'm doing and I want to make sure that I continue to kind of remind myself of that Mm. as I go down the line wow fantastic yeah yeah completely agree and um actually yeah because you you talked about your feature film but we're not going to touch upon it in this conversation we'll have you back on Mm -hmm. um when it's ready to come out and we can we can dive deep into the feature film so we'll keep that we'll keep people in uh suspense for now excellent if i don't scare them off yeah (laughs) um so just to um wrap up then so um what are some of the most important important things to you like what what do you value most Mm. and how do you put it into practice um well i think coming from this year i've had um, where there's been some losses and sort of emotionally it's been a really difficult year I've sort of found that it's a bit cheesy but um, for me kind of love and kind of practicing love and embracing love and being able to accept love is has been really important and it's a it's a kind of subject matter for me that's really important in my work um, I find that like there's a pattern in every kind of film that I'm 
writing where it's kind of talking about like the the insecurities of characters but also the um the connection that they have with each other and it's just something I think is really important in life um and in sort of some someone's success as well and I guess we haven't had like too much time to kind of talk about all of that stuff but um yeah I'd say kind of love is the 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 thing that's really something that I realize that I value the most Mm, but how does one practice it because that's the one of the things I really want to uncover like with this podcast is you know we talk about these grand Mm. um, values and Mm -hmm. principles but like what do they actually mean because you know we've we can hear from people like oh I love you or oh I care Mm -hmm. about you but like what does that actually well, I think it's like, as you said, it's like in the little things, like we've had a lot of conversations about this. Mm. It's just sort of in the little small things that you're doing and then the small mm. behaviors and um, in the friendships that you have and it's sort of what you're, the act, the small actions that you're undertaking. But mm. I think it's also just important to be present with people. I totally. think that's one of the, you know, you know, I kind of think about like, you know, when I think about my family and stuff, like being as present as I can with them. Um, and that's, that's a, a, pr- a practice that I'm trying to do. Um, and then I think self-love as well, um, yeah. thinking about yourself and it taps into everything we're saying about, um, you know, your anxieties, your insecurities, your kind of, you know, when you're you're feeling impatient, it's sort of um, just embracing all those things and feeling them as much as you can and just sort of saying to yourself, it's okay. And then continuing on. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Like I completely... Um agree with you I think especially like when it comes to love isn't is there also like a famous like proverb or quote is like mm. um like the the greatest gift you can give someone is your presence yeah yeah and I think that's so true because mm. you can have you can be in a room with someone or you can even share your life with somebody but mm. if that person isn't present with you mm. like it's it's not really real mm-hmm, exactly. and uh, yeah I think, yeah, and obviously in uh, today's world, there's so many distractions and so many things that can take us away from that. But mm. really, that that's all it is. Exactly. I think that is the ultimate practice, in my opinion, Which is, is yeah. uh, bringing conscious awareness to your life. Mm. That's mm. really what it boils down to. What about yours, though? What are some of your, if we throw the question around to you? Um, ways to practice love. What are the thing? What's what do you value the most, and how do, do you I practice it in your <laughs> daily life? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely agree with you with the love, um, and like what I've said about I think being present, bringing mm. your conscious awareness mm-hmm. uh, to yourself and to uh, to other people, um, because one of the ways to cultivate love, you need to have empathy. And to be able to empathize with another person, you need to be able to become present with them mm-hmm. and f- try to, you know, feel what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you can forge a deeper connection. And the other, like, even before empathy is trust and trustworthiness. Mm. Uh, that is the the absolute ultimate foundation uh one of my favorite quotes of all time if i can remember it to the word i hope is by stephen covey and he said uh yeah trust is the glue of life Mm -hmm. it is the single most important foundation of all human uh relationships 
are of all of communication. Gosh, I'm, mm. I'm, I want to I look this up now because I, I want to get it right. Um, so yeah. trust is the foundation. Absolutely. Trust, trust with yourself. And if, okay, if you don't trust someone, how are you ever going to have any kind of connection, mm-hmm. quality connection with that person? Mm-hmm. Trust is everything. And um, the way you practice trust, hang on, what if But I then you can this? say, you know, some people kind of, because of life experiences, don't trust anyone. Um, and that's a whole other thing. That's quite hard because then sometimes it can be skewed. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about um, self-trust as well. That's mm. a really important one. You need to be able to trust yourself. And well, this the thing is this um, this opens up a whole can of worms, to be honest. Um, oh, wait, hang on a minute. I'm just sorry. I just find the quote. I want to read it out. Yeah. Trust is the glue of life. It is the most essential ingredient in effective communication. Mm. It is the foundational principle that holds all relationships. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's by Stephen Covey. Um, I absolutely love that. Mm. And um, what was I saying? Yeah, self-trust. Yeah, I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms of a much deeper conversations Mm -hmm. because the experiences that you have with people, especially when you're growing up, um, you, if you learn to doubt yourself then you don't trust yourself, you doubt your own, in your own intuition, which mm. is, I think things were like, you know, with me mm. and the choices that I've made mm. <laughs> in certain, uh, uh, relationships where I haven't paid attention to my intuition and I didn't trust myself mm. that things were, that felt off, that were wrong. Um, so yeah, cultivating self-trust, that's, that's key, but cultivating trust with others. And that is trust can only be cultivated over a long period of time Mm. of consistency, of showing up, of knowing that someone has your back. Mm -hmm. And those are, those can happen in really small ways. Mm. It's not about grand gestures all the time mm-hmm. it's showing up in small ways it could be like oh when, when showing you need up to call in small ways is a really nice simple way mm. of putting it actually showing that you're there showing that you care not saying it because some people can really talk the talk mm. and make you feel like oh wow this person's so amazing they're mm-hmm. my friend and like they'll be there for me and then you're like oh shit well actually whenever shit hits the fan they're like they're gone or like that they don't have the time or even worse they're the one who put the shit in the fan yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. i mean and like okay well i thought this person was my friend but actually actually they're not yeah, yeah you yeah. know so yeah but that's that's you know we could spend a really long time talking about these things but yeah but again it's when you bring conscious awareness to yourself you re you pay attention to how you behave Mm -hmm. then how your behavior has an impact on other people Mm. and also you um then you pay attention to other people and how they behave and what impact that has on you um because you then you could talk about you know with some people um how your body feels when you're with them Mm. do you feel contracted do you feel um do you feel open do you Mm. feel safe do you feel like you need to be constantly like have this kind of wall up like that you're defending yourself are you expressive are you holding yourself back Mm -hmm. so those are the small like there's small um um 
the small nuances to pay attention to Mm. as well because they they can give you a lot of clues about what's going on Mm -hmm. but it all boils down to becoming conscious and being present Mm -hmm. um yes (laughs) (laughs) anyway that (laughs) got you um, going yeah exactly um but yeah so yeah like I've said, uh, we didn't talk about the feature film. We want to talk about that later on. Yeah, uh, when we hopefully it turns out all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if yeah. it didn't turn out all right, we'll we'll be on here discussing why it didn't. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope I'll get a small role in the film as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so doing something um, interesting in the background, I'm sure. But mm. at least, at least, I would like at least one line though. Well, that's a bit of a, yeah, <laughs> that's where we're, we're sort of, uh, that's a bit, so taking it a bit far, I think, but okay, we can definitely well, put we'll, you in it. We'll see, we'll <laughs> see. Um, yeah, anyway, um, so if someone wants to find out a bit more about your work and what you do and connect and mm. uh, can we watch We Love Moses? Is it online? It's not online yet, but I'm really hoping it's going to be on. I think it might be able to go on in 2020, which obviously okay. is coming up in one month, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I don't have tons of stuff online. I actually do have a um, a TV episode that I directed called That Girl, which is kind of a standalone, well, it's yeah. not standalone, but it's part of a, this um, anthology series called That Girl, which I directed. Uh, the rest of my shorts aren't really online, but you can see, me. I'm on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Deontse Knowles. Mm. I, I'm going to add links to this anyway. Okay. So, you so can check are you me. mainly on, on Instagram? or Mainly on Instagram, um, on Twitter a bit under Deontse Knowledge. Um, but yeah. Facebook? Sort of. Facebook, not really, because yeah, my Facebook's quite private, I think. So oh, it's not okay. Really and website? One. And then website is www.tangtangfilms.com. Yeah, I'll make sure to have that all linked up. Thank you so much, Dion. This was this was awesome. Like you know, you and I, we can always talk, mm-hmm. as we have done in the past, mm-hmm. all day. Yeah. Um. So this is fun. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to be back. Yeah. In the new year. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever your feature is done. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for, uh, listening. Um. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, please subscribe. And if you think that's that someone else would enjoy it too make sure to share it with your friends until Mm -hmm. next time that's it for now Mm